Hey there, folks. It is about time for another uh, episode of uh, Griff Talks Football. Uh, I meant to post an episode earlier uh, during the week, but I just got busy. But NFL draft's coming up, and I'm very excited to see what the results of the draft will be, what it may look like, what you know, uh, what player won't be taken in the first round. Which I always found like those are the very underrated stories. Like a lot of people focus on the stories are either, uh, wow, this player was expected to be picked by this team, or wow, this player's fallen so down in the draft in the first round, but it is still taken in the first round. Uh, but I, I don't know. For me, uh, I don't often hear about stories about guys that are expected to be taken in the first round and then, you know, don't get taken until like the second or third round. And then they end up, you know, proving that they should have been taken in the first round. But those are some underdog stories throughout the draft. Uh, is something that I always am fond of. However, we're not talking about underdog stories necessarily today. Uh, we're talking about Kyle Shanahan and the quarterback draft class of this year. Uh, but before I talk about the quarterback draft class, I want to talk about Kyle Shanahan's coaching career, but his most notable spots where I feel like he had uh, the most impact or at least did the best he could with this team and made the most out of that opportunity. Starting with 2009, he was the Houston Texans offensive coordinator and helped Matt Schaub reach the Pro Bowl. Uh, I don't know if y'all remember who Matt Schaub was, uh, but he was a guy that like, Ended up having a shit ton of memes back in 2013 because he led an NFL record to this day now of most consecutive pick sixes in a season, which I think it was like a, a streak of six, right? Six or seven uh, consecutive games where he just threw a pick six. He was absolutely uh, trash. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to like barge on the player, but. He just he didn't perform well in 2013. However, in 2009, Matt Schaub made his first Pro Bowl. Again, as Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator, and he led the league in passing yards, which is insane to think about because think about the quarterbacks from 2009 that were also playing around that time. There was Tom Brady, there was Peyton Manning, there was Drew Brees. Yeah. All those names I just just mentioned, uh, either Hall of Fame caliber players or are already in the Hall of Fame. With Peyton Manning, he'll be inducted in the Hall of Fame this year. Drew Brees will probably be in the Hall of Fame in the next couple of years, and Brady will be in the Hall of Fame whenever he's you know done playing at sixty five. You know <laughs> that I guess that's his retirement age now in the NFL. Usually, an NFL career career lasts like four years. Uh, Brady's been in this shit for like 20 plus years now. <laughs> um, but think about that. Matt Schaub led the league in passing yards above those guys. And it's a credit to Kyle Shanahan being his offensive coordinator. I mean, it helps that your dad was uh, also a former NFL head coach, and you can just copy that exact scheme. But he's definitely elevated that zone run scheme. I mean, it's had influence the past 25, almost 30 years now 
where many NFL teams will implement the zone run scheme or zone run style within their offensive system. And that's because of the impact with uh, Alex Gibbs, who was the Denver Broncos offensive line coach in the 1990s, and then with uh, Mike Shanahan being the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Uh, again, really used that system and was really difficult to defend for defenses. And it's still difficult to defend for defenses to this day just because of how difficult it is to secure the edges, especially if a team likes pushing defenses uh, sideline to sideline and then cut vertically in the run game. Uh, but again, it also helps with the fact that Kyle has also elevated the system. You know, he's implemented the RPOs. He's implemented different verbiages to then mix up some play actions, not only in the protection, but also having some certain schemes that complement well with the run game. Um, in which that continued on in 2012. He was working with his dad, and he was the Washington football team's offensive coordinator that year, and he helped Robert Griffin III win w Rookie of the Year. And then also won the division made the playoffs only to lose to Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Um, but Kyle Shanahan was credited to the fact that he made RG3, not only, I believe he was also a pro bowler that year, uh, but there was a huge debate on which quarterback from the 2012 draft class was the best. And right at that point in time, it was between RG3 and Andrew Luck. Now, Heading into the 2021 season, a lot of people would argue either Andrew Luck or Russell Wilson. And I think a lot of people argue for Russell Wilson's case because he's won a Super Bowl and he's been there twice. Unfortunately for Andrew Luck, he was never able to get to the Super Bowl because he was drafted to what was considered at the time not the best stable organization and didn't necessarily build around him or didn't have the right pieces for him especially having a trash O-line his entire life up until 2018. Uh, with that O-line was like definitely a top five unit. But again, he was dealing with injuries and decided to retire. But again, credit to Kyle Shanahan for making Robert Griffin III an absolute beast at that time. And then with injuries to RG3 as well, he's just now a backup. I think he's either second or third string quarterback for the Ravens at this point um move on to 2014 with the Cleveland Browns he was also the offensive coordinator and uh he did the best he could with that team <laughs> like think about it the Browns at one point were seven and four in 2014 and then lost five consecutive games and I'm going on seven and nine and then Kyle Shanahan or finished the season seven and nine and Kyle Shanahan did the best he could by making the best decision, which was to leave that team, despite signing a four-year contract at that point. And, you know, he helped Brian Hoyer, yeah, Brian Hoyer, the starter for the Cleveland Browns, you know, have his career high in passing yards, but it was barely over 3,000 yards passing, which in, the, in today's league, even in 2014, you expect quarterbacks to – at least throw 4,000 yards based on the rules, based on what weapons they have, based on you know what is surrounded by them, based on how good their defense is and how often they get possessions. But you know, you 
really the best receiver for Cleveland was Jordan Cameron. He was a tight end, but he was hurt for half the, half the year. And then Josh Gordon, who I also say is a good receiver, uh, couldn't stop smoking weed. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, the NFL changed the rules on that uh, for this year. Uh, so Josh Gordon's looking to get reinstated. Uh, but other than that, their best receiver was Andrew Hopkins, who played 16 games and barely had over 800 yards receiving. But the rest of the receiving core, including Andrew Hopkins, had an average height of 5'1". <laughs> I'm kidding, not 5'1". But Andrew Hopkins is my height. I'm 5'11". Five, I'm He's 5'11". A Taylor Gabriel, Gabriel, who's retired now, was like it was 5'8". He was the fastest receiver on the team, but he was 5'8". You're not going to throw jump ball fade routes to a 5'8 receiver against a 6'4 corner like you are doing the best you can with that roster, and that roster was just absolute trash. Really, you know, the Cleaver Browns offense that year, their best quality or, like, their best thing about that offense was just the offensive line. And when Jordan Cameron was at least healthy, their offense was more explosive, and Brian Hoyer was able to play a little bit better because he had an athletic, freakish tight end. And then if Josh Gordon, uh, you know, wasn't addicted, uh, maybe that would have been a better season. But then again, we're also getting to the ranting. Like, I've been ranting uh, just about this Cleveland Browns for forever now. Luckily, not luckily, but at least fortunately, they made the playoffs this previous year, won a playoff game, and then lost to the Chiefs in a close battle. But, like, I had to deal with 18 years of suffering. <laughs> like, the last time prior to that season, the last time the Browns made the playoffs was 2002. So, uh, turmoil here for your Cleveland Browns fan. Um, but then, Kyle, and again, Kyle Shanahan left Cleveland 2015, became the Atlanta Falcons offense coordinator. But he really started to shine, if not already, started to shine in – 2016, he made Matt Ryan into a most valuable player that year. Took the help the Falcons get to the Super Bowl, only to lose to Tom Brady. 28, they were up 28 to three, and the Patriots came back and won 34 28. <laughs> oh man! And then 2017, soon after that, Kyle Shanahan becomes the head coach of the 49ers. Takes the Niners to the Super Bowl in 2019, only to lose to the Chiefs. They were up 20 to 10. <laughs> uh, Kyle can't catch a break, man. Like he's he's doing his best to win the Super Bowl, and he can't catch a break. He's just losing the goat quarterbacks. Which brings me to the quarterback situation with San Francisco, because now they have the number three. Overall pick in the draft. And if you consider what Kyle Shanahan has been through, what the shit he had to deal with other than 2016, where, like, I would have wanted to be the Atlanta Falcons offense coordinator. They had a bunch of fucking weapons. Julio Jones in his prime, which I still think he's at the twilight of his prime. Matt Ryan is a pretty good quarterback. Devontae Freeman was healthy. Devin Coleman, who's with the Niners currently. 
Uh, Austin Hooper, who's an absolute beast. He's very underrated tight end for what he does. Uh, he was with the Falcons at that time. Taylor Gabriel was a slot receiver. Mohamed Sanu was actually pretty good. Like all those guys were just phenomenal, including Alex Mack, the center. And that offense line was an absolute stud. But however, you know, Kyle Shanahan's goal is becoming a head coach. And ever since 2017, 2017, 2018, 2019, and then, of course, 2020, Kyle Shanahan has been the head coach for the Niners and only has one winning season, which was 2019, going 13-3, and going to the Super Bowl. The rest was, like, his first season was 6-10, and the next one was 4-12, and and then this past one was 6-10. and And it's not to say that Kyle Shanahan isn't a great coach. I would definitely say he is a great coach. It's just unfortunate that he's got a quarterback that hasn't been able to stay healthy and unfortunately he doesn't he hasn't been you know in, revolved around good quarterbacks either like Nick Mullins is okay but that is because of the amount of coaching and the amount of teaching that that or I guess they're the same terms but just because of how great Kyle Shanahan how great of a coach he is that he made Nick Mullins at least competent. He made Matt Schaub a pro bowler. Man, I bet you he make me an MVP <laughs> if I was a good athlete. I'm just saying he's that good of a court uh, of a of a head coach and an offensive play caller. And looking at the notable quarterbacks coming out of this draft class, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Matt Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, those are deemed as the top five quarterbacks. Not in a particular order, but just the top five guys. And we all know Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville. Zach Wilson is going to be taken by the Jets. So where does that leave? Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. And if you listen to my Mac 10 episode a couple weeks back, I talked about how you could be a successful quarterback with the Niners, but with the Niners, it would be difficult for him to succeed anywhere else. Which is why, out of these three quarterbacks, the quarterbacks that's deemed the most ready and could excel within the Kyle Shanahan system, while Kyle Shanahan is also excelling the quarterback, is Mac Jones. Why? Because Mac Jones has played against top-tier level defenders from the SEC. He's been coached by Nick Saban's staff, more notably... Steve Sarkeesian, who was the offense coordinator at the time, who is now with, uh, who, who is now the head coach of the Texas Longhorns, and he's deemed as a good offensive head coach. But but everyone else is thinking that Kyle is like the top tier guy. I think it also helps to know that if you're a top tier guy in the NFL, you tend to be more notable than a top tier guy in college football, unless you're with teams that have just been well known and just been dominant with the example of Alabama and Clemson and Ohio state, you know, I know, I don't know much about Ohio state other than recent years, but I know their head coach is Ryan day. I know Dabo Sweeney is a head coach of Clemson and that's where Trevor Lawrence is coming from. And they've won some national titles. They've had some good games against Alabama and national championship. And of course, Nick Saban, which I know more about Nick's coaching history 
because uh, I am a Cleveland Browns fan. He was the Cleveland Browns defense coordinator in the early 90s, but he is an excellent coach, as we all know. So, and the Texas, foot, Texas football is okay, but if Steve Sarkeesian turns that around, he will be pretty notable for, for, for where he's gone through, for what he's been through. But again, picking him back off, Steve Sarkeesian is a good coach. Cal Shanahan, deemed by everyone, is a great coach, is just dealing with bullshit such as injuries, particularly at the quarterback position. So I think he's going to, they're, they're going to be taking Mac Jones at number three. Again, Mac Jones has played against top tier competition, the best athletes. He's been coached by Nick Saban's staff with Steve Sarkeesian as an offensive coordinator. And then he's the best insurance policy for Jimmy G because in the press conference a couple weeks back, Kyle Shanahan stated that they expect Jimmy G to be the starter unless there's a team wanting to trade for him. So as far as I know, he's still expected to be the starter for the Niners, and he's capable of taking that team, if healthy, to the Super Bowl. However, if he gets hurt, Kyle Shanahan needs a quarterback that can absorb as much information as possible, can be the best processor on the field, can has the best pre-snap and post-snap and now uh, 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 reads, I almost said analysis, but reads, and can at least make good throws within the system. And Mac Jones will do that. So, you know, really, I think they could draft Justin Fields instead because he's a far better athlete, or even Trey Lance, who's also a far better athlete, who's he hasn't played any Kyle Shanahan system, but he's been he's been in a system where they require a quarterback to be under center a lot. It's a power gap system. Uh, back at a North Dakota State University football program, uh, the Bison, which they're basically the Alabama of Division Two or FCS, something like that. However, Mac Jones has played in in the highest of competition. Like SEC has better quality football than the Big Ten, and Big Ten's pretty good. That's where Justin Fields is. However, Kyle Shanahan is looking to win now because I don't think he's wanting to consistently have and constantly have losing seasons. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks again for, for listening. Take care, guys, and I should be back next week with another one probably about the uh, the draft analysis or not draft analysis but reflecting over the the first round draft picks uh most notable what caught my eye and so forth so thanks again for listening and uh, kick ass as always guys